The thing about things online being information heavy is the exact thing that causes anxiety. We don't see communications, like online communications, as a real thing. We just kind of see them pop up. They have more importance when it hits our brain than that. Emails are not emails, they are communications. There's a person behind that waiting for you. Notes are not notes, it's an idea. It's an idea that's pending in your mind if it's still there. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I have this in the personal journals category. And let me tell you, today, it feels like one a bit. I have my friend Jezebel here. And I'm going to keep this intro really tight because we tell how we met and how she got into what she does, which is it's, it's really cool and interesting. She runs a digital organization studio and she helps people with anxiety organize their digital lives. She has a background in psychology and design, and she specializes in helping people turn chaotic digital environments, so inboxes, files, calendars, into functional spaces and even playful. That's that's her goal, and to take away the anxiety from it. And let me tell you, I'm one of those people who has a very chaotic digital environment. That's uh, where I tend to live, unfortunately. But never fear because Jezebel's here and she and I have a conversation about this and, and much more. So again, thank you for being here. And Jezebel and I are actually going to teach a workshop together, which you'll hear a little bit more about in this. And there's a link in the show notes to join us if you want to. And I'll explain a bit more at the end. But again, really happy that you're listening. Here is my conversation with Jezebel. We recorded this a couple weeks ago when I was really, really overwhelmed. And I kept saying I have panic levels of computer work to everyone. And people would be like, oh, what are you doing today? I'm like, honestly, panic levels of computer work. So that's that's where I was uh, mentally and digitally when Jezebel came over to my apartment and we sat at my kitchen table and recorded this. You were in my, one of my first clients, especially you were my first long-term client, I think. Yeah. You put an ad in creative. I love creatives. I love creatives. Puno has been on the show and I was about, I had just been connected with her my friend kelsey like did an email introduction with this person puno who's so cool about like having her on the podcast and i was like oh what's and the first thing i saw was your ad which was what did it say something about organize your inbox and i there i was with like an inbox that was you know is just complete underwater and i emailed you instantly and was like help <laughs> and we did you helped me organize my inbox which was really cool and it it helps me for a long time and now I'm I'm underwater like again more which maybe we'll get into but then we became friends and then I don't know when or where but we just started voice texting and kept voice texting and and you were in Italy then yeah and since you've been 
in Canada, in Italy, and now you're here. It's actually, you're the only one, you're like the only American that I know who uses WhatsApp. Oh, yeah. Because other than that, I'm usually emailing people. And I think our relationship became friendly because we were voice messaging, where usually mm -hmm. it's email. Yeah, I love a voice text, which is, you know, maybe a, maybe not great, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I have, clearly I have trouble. Honestly, at this point, I am so, every sort of, I feel like there's so many coming at me. Like I have maybe... 40, 50 minutes of unlistened to voice text and from WhatsApp. I have about a half an hour of signal messages from someone I'm working with on something. And then I have texts, which mostly aren't voice texts, but sometimes are, which is great because I love that I can walk and I'm not, I'm a very slow reader. And I think that's why one of the reasons email overwhelms me. And I love it. And I did this to myself because I send them too. <laughs> but then it just gets, it, it snowballs. And anyway, I just think, you know, we're going to talk about overwhelm probably because I think your work is so important around that. And then, you know, oh, the other thing we did, you were a guest in my workshop in process and we talked about digital boundaries and overwhelm. And it was one of my favorite workshops that we've done. And I'm excited to talk about that. We talked about notes and like how to organize the notes. Do you remember this? When, yeah. I don't even remember when that was. It had to be like Two years ago, a year and a half. It's ago? within two years, yeah. I, yeah. I read this great interview that you did recently, and you were working for you were a personal assistant to, or no, she hired you directly to specifically yeah. do her inbox, and yeah. she worked at the Chicago Tribune. How did yeah. she find you? How did you start doing? Like, what she, were you doing before that? She found me on Girl Boss. At this point, I was still in Italy, and I had to do computer jobs because I couldn't yeah. actually physically work in Italy. So I was doing a lot of random stuff. I, I, I was teaching on Skillshare at the time. Well, actually not at the time. At the time before that, I was teaching on Skillshare. That was like my main mode um, of work. And then what were you teaching? I was teaching like, oh, stuff on traveling for free. Like mm -hmm. I traveled a lot. Um, and so it was like trading your skills for free accommodation or things like that. Very basic entrepreneurial stuff. Then uh, right before the pandemic hit, before Christmas, Skillshare wrote to me, well, like an automatic message saying that my microphone was not up to standard and they were just removing all my classes. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's something because that was my main like source of income. Oh, no. And so I posted on Girlboss like at the time. I don't know if Girlboss still has the community. I think that they shut it down when Sofia Marzo wasn't like isn't the founder anymore. But yeah, I posted there saying that I was available to like be a virtual assistant or work like, you know, to be an assistant for mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. And so this uh, journalist for the Chicago Tribune reached out to me and like basically told me like my therapist like suggested that because of my anxiety and because of the levels of emails that I have to look out for somebody who can organize my inbox. Can you do that? And I was like, yeah, sure. And at the time, like I didn't know anything about inbox organization. Like my, my inbox, I wasn't like an entrepreneur who reached out to a lot of people. Like mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of inbox movement. So I just like sat there for one night and was just like, how would I organize my inbox? Because I had kind of a student inbox, right? Like mm -hmm. you get a lot of junk mail, not a lot of important messages, which is much different than an entrepreneur because mm -hmm. an entrepreneur will get both. So I just like sat down and like, like organized my inbox and sort of like tried to see what you can do with Gmail. Because there's so much you can do with Gmail. And I understood that night and then the following months that there's a lot of unique things that you can do to really modify your space in Gmail that most people don't know. Like most people just scratch the surface. Like they'll do like, they, they'll use like 2% of what you can do with not just Gmail, but with uh, like software in general. Mm -hmm. Whereas like being a power user is what it's called when like you really dive deep and look at everything that you can do with it. So that's what I did with Gmail. And then I kind of like came back to her with like this like she basically just gave me like carte blanche with like 
everything that I could do with yeah. her inbox. And I was like, okay, so we'll set up a thing. You know, her inbox is very specific. She's a journalist. She gets a lot of requests, like inquiry requests. And then she also sends out a lot of stuff. She was also writing a book. Her inbox actually was the only one who resembles yours. She was doing a lot of things and a lot of important things. So it wasn't just a lot of junk mail. It was a lot of important communications and she was missing a lot of it. From there, I was working with her like full-time, like well, not full-time, but like a uh, constant. Yeah. Every morning I would go in and organize her inbox. But then at one point I systemized it, like I automated it. So I was working like 15 minutes every morning and then like 10 and then not much. And I was like, hmm. So I was like, maybe I could check if other people need this because at this point, like, I mean, I'm, I've automated everything for her. There's not much left for me to do. And then I put out my first ad in I Love Creatives um, and it got me with 16 clients in wow. one shot. And I found that uh, that was so cool because that was the first time that I had really kind of like put myself out there and was like, this is what I'm offering. Who wants it? Yeah. And all these people. And I was like, wow. And I think it was a time too where it was during the pandemic. So all these entrepreneurs, it was even more in your face how much digital like traffic was in your face. Yeah. So I kind of hit it at the right time. And then my second, third ad, that's when I met you. And then I decided to do, I met somebody else through I Love Creatives. Her name is Michelle and we did a workshop together. She's like, dude, you've got to turn this into a, like a little workshop or something. Yeah. And Girl Boss Newsletter actually like posted it in their newsletter. Mm -hmm. And I got like 400 signups. And that's where I was like, okay, this is, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have anxiety. A lot of entrepreneurs don't know how to organize their inbox. And so yeah, from there, I, I, I turned it into a class after that because I wanted to continue and move on to organizing other parts of like other digital spaces and that's amazing I'm so happy that happened for you so going back to your your first inbox client right so so at that time you were you just out of school were you like were you always really organized like how did you you were just like all right this is what has been asked of me I'm gonna figure it out and I mean it's such a great example of fake it till you make it or like just yeah. you know say yes and you'll figure it out like which is what people tell you to do when you're like, what did you, what did you study? Like, what did you want to do? What did you think you would do? When I was younger, I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I did that for like a year. And then I was you grew like, up this in, is not for me. In Canada? I was born in Canada, grew up in Indiana. And then in high school, went to, well, went back to Canada, high school age. And then from there, I went to school in Montreal for fashion for one year. Then I stopped for another year because I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. Yeah. Then I did a psychology because I thought whatever it is that I want to do, psychology will help totally and from there i i think i studied for about a year and a half and then i met my husband in la actually and then i i knew that i didn't want to be like a psychologist precisely so i wasn't too attached with the idea of finishing school yeah. i was by that by then like learning a lot on my own and like reading a lot of psychology books it's kind of an interest more than a career path yeah so when I met my husband, he is from Italy and at the time was uh, had just gotten a promotion. So he was moving towns. So he was going to a town that he didn't know anybody. And so he had invited me to come and I was like, all right, like this perfect opportunity. I don't know what I want to do. So let's let's do it. So that's when I started to have to look for stuff online, which was perfect because I really always liked the idea of entrepreneurship, but it kind of just pushed me into mm -hmm. it. And it was a messy first few years. I had an Etsy shop. I did Skillshare. I did a Kickstarter campaign uh, for my um, dad's product. And there was a lot of really cool entrepreneurship stuff that I got pushed into without having experience that gave me experience. So when that came along about the journalist asking me to organize the inbox, I was like all in. I was like, yeah, cool. And I had 
learned a lot too through my husband because he uh, works in cybersecurity. So there was a lot of stuff that he was also involving me in, especially because being in Italy, sometimes projects were in English. So it was nice to kind of be involved in the business world, especially being so young, because I was 21 when I met him, but he was 28. So he was he had already had a career and everything. Mm-hmm. So I got to be involved in some really cool things. And doing that, I have learned that a lot of times really good products come from like market demand. Mm-hmm. So this was really a cool opportunity because it was directly somebody saying, I have a problem. Can you do something about it? Mm-hmm. And so I had to kind of like come up with a solution for it rather than thinking that something could be good for someone, pitching it to them and seeing if it fails or not. It was the opposite. And then through the ad, I, I really got to understand that it was something that more people were interested in. So, yeah. yeah. When you start working with this journalist and then it you're going in, you know, it's a, it's a more of a digital assistant sort of a role, but then so much of it, you were able to automate and really use her as a case study to come up with your systems that, you know, then those 16 people that you worked with who responded to that ad. I'm assuming I'm one of the 16. Not the first ones. I think you responded to like my second or third ad. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not. But but anyway, it, it got it got me. So then you with her, did you have to come to her and be like, all right, well, this is automated. Like you don't need me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then she was like, all set. She really understood the system. And yeah. That's so cool. So did you keep in touch with her? Like, did you No, actually. No. And I mean, I'm not sure if the system was perfect. She was my first one, right? right? So I don't know if the system was upkept. I don't know anything about that. I'm hoping that it, it, yeah. it helped her. Well, she's I'm listening. assuming though, <laughs> I'm assuming that just like any system, right? You need yeah. to kind of modify it along the way. And yeah. How do know. people do with it? Because because I I mean, as you know, I I have, I worked with you and you're incredible. And I I still use so many of your, I mean, every, the folders that we have and I'm I'm, I'm using all of it. But Right now, I have two inboxes that we made. And this was a really cool thing that you helped me do, but we made one that was meant to be work, and then the other one was meant to be personal. But there's such a – it's such a free-for-all. You really helped me unsubscribe to pretty much everything. So I don't get much in that sort of a realm, but I get a couple newsletters, and I get a ton of inquiries of people wanting to be on this podcast, people wanting to – they've got a book coming out. They want to share their online course. They want – they want something from me. And I'm sometimes I'm like, God, I don't, I don't even have much to offer. But it's like a lot of people asking that. Every once in a while, it's a brand wanting to send me something. And then and then every once in a while, it's, you know, a friend has a baby. That that was an email I had recently, or like a calendar invite, or something I'm trying to schedule with something, someone, or someone responding to my newsletters, or someone just sending me a nice note. And I use your system and I, I it's good when it, like your system's amazing, but it's me like that just the upkeep of daily and I and this is like I am the biggest testimonial for, for Jezebel's work. Like every anyone listening like should 1000 percent do it and take your email course. I just have gotten so behind. Like, have you been hearing this from people? Do you ever have to go? Is everyone else that you work with just like smooth sailing and off to the races or do pe- are there any other problem people like me who like <laughs> still somehow get behind even when they have a great system there are there are a few different types of clients i would say yeah. like for example i have like the perfectionist client who like absorbs everything that i give them and they're like they they take it even further and i'm like wow like yeah. that's awesome and then there are other clients who like medium like it's good they have it set up and then they they use it like they don't take it further they're not like super like extra anal about it but they're you know, they take it further and then 
smoothish sailing. I mean, you know, sometimes we have moments in life where it's, it's more exhausting and then we catch back up and they're like, okay, let's get back into the system. And then they use the system kind of as a, a, a skeleton to resort to when things got overwhelming and then they have more time. Mm -hmm. Then clients like you were like, for example, something that I find that's really important is that in the same way that we unsubscribe from junk mail mm -hmm. or newsletters, there are some times where if things get too overwhelming, it's about unsubscribing from things that are happening in your life. Like that's where I kind of am at a point where if someone has hired me for organizing their inbox, I can't really step over and say, you have a lot going on in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, like maybe there are things that you should kind of back up from because if you're not able to do one thing right and you're trying to do like 10 at the same time, you're doing none of those things with your full heart. And that's where... It's, it's something that I do with some people. I do kind of yeah. go there with others. I understand it's it's just a matter of kind of looking at that and being like, what should I unsubscribe from? Is there too much going on in my life? Do I have too much like in real life junk mail or, you know, newsletters that you're not reading, but keeping yeah. just because like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think and I think that's something we wanted to talk about, like digital letting go of things. I mentioned when you were a guest in my workshop and process we talked about that in the context of notes. Like I was saying the notes in my phone, I have so many ideas and they're, I'm writing things down in there, I'm writing lists in there. I'm, the, there's probably gems in there. Same with email. Like the thing is kind of what you, as you were saying that, I was like, maybe I just need to start fresh, like just delete it all. If someone really needed me like, or archive it all or something, because at this point, every time I try to like get back into it, I, ha I can't like get to the, in back zero, like however I try. Cause of course there's always new stuff coming in, but like today, for instance, like I had things every second. I haven't gotten to sit down and, and look at my email. I looked at it a little bit on my phone. I sent somebody needed a bio for something. And I sent them that I did. I did the things I like had to do. I think this is very similar to feng shuiing your apartment or, or clearing clutter. And I can just be like, all right, I mean, we're in my apartment right now. I have like four things to my name, you know, like I throw things out. Like I, I am the opposite of a hoarder. I get give things away and then I have to like buy them again because I'm like, mm. I thought I wouldn't need scotch tape and I like, you know, <laughs> and, and, and now, it, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I like given clothes away and then like bought the same thing or like, just like completely like it's wild. I am not special. I know everyone probably has this, but it, the weird thing is like in that pile of things that's on my computer, a lot of it is like just stuff that is fizzled or just like things that don't matter. Like a lot of it is not needed. Right. But Every once in a while, I like for instance, I got to interview this this person. He was on Dawson's Creek, Joshua Jackson, right? Yeah. Like that was a weird PR email that came from a publicist of some list that I'm on that I responded to because I was like, this has to be a joke, but I did. And then I got to talk to this person, right? Or like a brand that's like, hey, we found you here. Like weird stuff has happened from me responding to like a random email. And that could be money. It could be, and I think when my life feels so shaky and sort of unmanageable in a way. And I feel like there might be something in there. You know what I mean? It's And, and you taught me this too. And one thing that really stuck with me from our work together, like going through and organizing it and, and color coding it, which I want to talk about because I think it's really cool. Like your experience studying psychology and design and wanting to be a clothing designer, like you're, you are such an aesthetic person. You have such a beautiful aesthetic in your work and just your who you are. You have such a great eye. And then also you taught me about the the colors and psychology and how that plays in. And, and that's a huge part of your work with your inbox. And just 
having your, even though I'm saying like, oh, wow, I am behind right now, having your system is wonderful. Like I, you taught me so much about Gmail as an application, you know, that I really, really, and I'm sure I have so much to learn because I'm a really slow learner, but it really is, is wonderful what you do. And I just, I do think that, oh, this is what I was going to say. One of the things that you, that you taught me in addition to the color thing is about you go into your inbox in the morning. Hopefully I'm not like at this point I'm, I have hundreds of, of backed up. Right. But like, pretend I don't pretend I'm like, okay, in the morning, what I do is like, star things that I need to respond to. And I, I open them up. You'll see how well I did with remembering <laughs> here. She's nodding, but I star the things I need to get back to, but I, but I first categorize them. So for, for instance, I have, you know, newsletter category, unread, read, I have podcast inquiries, guests. So if I'm like scheduling something, it goes into the guest category, sponsor emails, team emails. I have, I'm trying to think of all my categories, spiraling things, writing things, like I, I categorize everything and then archive things that I don't need. I do a lot of sending back, whatever that is, time, snoozing, starring. And one thing you said is like, when you do that, it, it creates a calm of like seeing it not as red is, can you talk about that? Yeah. Do you know what I'm referring yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because red, red and for me is like the same thing also as like when it's not labeled. Yeah. Your brain, like, okay, the inbox and basically everything that's on a screen is mm super information heavy. So when you're looking at something like that and it's just words, especially if it's bold words, right? Like the unread, like it's bold. It creates an anxiety in your brain that tells your brain like, I have no idea what this is. I have no idea what this is, what this person wants, what I'm, what, what my task is because behind an unread email is there might be a task for me there. And if you just have a bunch that are backed up and not read, you're, you're telling your brain like, no matter what you think you've done in your day, you might have a ton more right there. Mm -hmm. So the idea of opening it and labeling it. So the idea of opening it is you know if you have a task or not, and then you start if there's a task related to it, right? The idea of labeling it is so that when you do open your to-do list, uh, you know basically what's in there. Like we have like the five, well, okay, we scratch that. Um, but the idea of having them colored is that you're telling your brain I know what category this is. So first it's red, you know what's in there for you to do, but you're telling your brain, I know pretty much what this is. Mm -hmm. And it's also playful, which tells your brain like, hey, this is a nice space. This is like, you designed it, you chose the colors, it's more you. Whereas things coming at you, you, cho you chose these colors, you chose these things. Yeah, yeah, it helps even just, it's, a, it's like a hit of dopamine, just like putting it into the pile it's gonna yeah. be in, like it, it's very useful. Something that, that you talk about a lot is digital anxiety and, and sensory overload and how information-heavy spaces trigger brain fatigue and overstimulation. So can you talk about that a little bit more? I mean, that's part of it, right? It's like yeah. marking things as unread, putting it in a category. And then how does that relate to things outside of email? Do you want to elaborate on that in terms of notes or other areas? Yeah. So the, the thing about things online being information heavy is the exact thing that causes anxiety. Like we don't see communications like online communications as a real thing. We just kind of see them pop up, but they have more importance when it hits our brain than that. Emails are not emails. They are communications. There's a person behind that waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And then notes are not notes. It's an idea. It's an idea that's pending in your mind if it's still there. So the idea, for example, of notes of letting it go is if you know that you have like 
just hundreds of notes and some of them are repeated and half-baked and mm -hmm. just scattered random those are things that you kind of cling on to in your mind or like we had talked about it when i was a guest on um in process mm -hmm. about how if an idea is important and substantial enough you will remember it or it will come back in a moment of your life where you're more ready for it rather than just holding on to it with the anxiety that you're not doing anything about it yeah then you don't have to manage it like we we yeah. spoke about this i remember now i think i said this then but i used to go to this meditation every week oddly with my friend angie who does feng shui of physical spaces what you do digitally physically and she was also a guest in in process just the week before you and what's interesting about that is we, she, we would go to this weekly meditation in new york and i asked a question once to sharon salisbury who was teaching us this meditation class and i said if I get an idea while I'm meditating, should I like stop and write it down and go back to it? And she just very clearly was like, nope. And I was like, all right. And then she was like, listen, keep meditating. And if it was a good idea, it'll, it'll stay. Yeah. And you, and it's so true. It's like you, and you have to trust that because anything that we're holding on to in our brains, we have to manage. Yeah. And so if we can just let it go, and this requires a level of detachment. And I think that, you know, that's something that you and I want to do a workshop on. We're going to do a workshop on. We can just talk about it right now. Cats out of the bag. Because we think that we have this really cool dual sort of sides of this where we can talk about, you can talk about the digital aspect of letting go of things, right? And what we're talking about here. And I can talk about the emotional side that I do with journaling. I mean, my book is called Let It Out to Get It Out of Your Brain, meaning like our thoughts, our repeating thoughts, our negative thoughts, our beliefs, right? Beliefs are just thoughts that we think a bunch of times. So if we can get them out of our head onto a piece of paper written down, then you don't have to manage it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you can decide if it's true, if you want to change it, if you want to make that into a to-do list, if you want to turn it into something else if it is an idea. And I think that's a really, it's a really good visual of like getting it out of your brain onto a piece of paper. The reason I called it Let It Out is is because it felt like that. It felt like I was able to finally know what I was thinking when I started writing because when there's so much in there, you can't even see it. Like I can't even see the gems of a good idea or the negative thought that is like ruling my life because there's just so much and there's so much stimulation in the world. But if I, it, writing by hand especially slowed me down enough to be able to parse through it and see all the different voices in my brain. And that made me better in therapy. It made me better in my relationships. It really has been, you know, a, a really useful thing that enough so I wrote a book about it and I still do it after more than 10 years. And, and I'm obviously I didn't make up journaling. Like this is a version of something that Julia Cameron writes in The Artist's Way about morning pages, like getting up, writing three pages front, back, front, and then throwing it away. And when I journal, oddly enough, like I throw them, I have some journals in the closet, but not a ton. I write on a legal pad often and I just recycle it. I'll look if there's any gems and I'll let it go. But yet my notes, I will, uh, maybe we should just do this right now. I'll show you live that I, just because I have space on my, Gmail cloud storage and just because it's infinite digitally, like I still don't think that's great for our mental health because it reminds me of like 
in eating disorder recovery, I've been thinking about this a lot, right? They, you, you hear about how when you're really in the thick of an eating disorder, right? You're constantly having to lie, right? Like you're constantly mm-hmm. having to lie a little bit to yourself. It becomes a lot to manage, right? And my grandma used to always say, a lie has no legs. It takes additional lies to support it. Mm-hmm. So that always makes me think of like, that's why I don't lie because I got to manage like, okay, who did I tell that to? Like that's so much energy, mm-hmm. emotional energy, right? And yet – on my phone. Here, I'm going to give this to Jezebel right now. Just just scroll through this and give us a live live take on on what you see. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Cured Nutrition. Listen, I have been using Cured and working with Cured for years and I'm so happy to tell you about one of my favorite products that they make. It's called Zen. It's a nootropic. It's formulated by Cure's very own in-house clinical herbalist. It contains a blend of reishi mushroom, ashwagandha, chamomile, passion flower, and broad spectrum CBD. I love it. It doesn't make you feel foggy in the morning like taking a gummy that has THC in it does. It tastes really good. And the ashwagandha and the reishi mushroom and the chamomile and passion flower all work together to just sort of soothe me. I do feel like a, a little bit of a body calm, which is nice. And, you know, there are so many fads and in, in wellness. And I know that getting sleep is one that just is helpful. You know, it's just useful. And adding in this product that I love called Zen helps me to actually have a bedtime routine that I stick to. And trust me, I need that. And getting a restful night's sleep is really important. And there's so many various sleep aids on the market that can be, you know, have have different effects. But this one is really useful and I love it. And I think you might too. So Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, the listeners of this podcast. You can grab Zen for 20% off using the code LETITOUT at checkout. And I highly recommend that you do. It supports the show and it supports your sleep, which is really important. This blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, cannabinoids will have you sleeping like you've never slept before. Dare I say, like a baby. And, well, why do we even say that? The people I know with babies, they don't even sleep. It's going to have you sleeping really well. That, that's what I'll say. No melatonin. Melatonin is, is chronically overdosed on the market and, you know, can help make you feel a bit groggy. So this one's going to make you feel refreshed when you wake up, which is really nice. And I genuinely think you'll like it. And I would love to know what you think. So, again, Cured Nutrition. The code is let it out. Thank you so much, Cured. It was actually interesting. I was actually going to ask you what you do with your physical books, like if you if you get rid of them or not. Like, so it's interesting. Now I'm getting to look at your notes. What have we okay. got? This well, is very private. Got, let me just see here. I'm just going to describe what I see here. Okay. There are a lot of folders, which mean nothing because I've never put some. Okay. I don't even. I think I tried. Oh, oh, maybe so I have to go into like all notes. Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. How many? Oh, okay, yeah. You have like maybe like 200 in the folders in different folders, and then you have in total 1,300. Is that two. typical? That's a lot. I don't know. I mean, is that typical? Typically less. Less. Yeah. I mean, people usually have a high amount, but this is a lot. I mean, you have like 10 pinned. Do you use your pinned ones? 
Are those the ones that you actually need to get to? I did that recently, but they're just things that I want. I've, I, they're things I saw recently that I'm like, oh, I need to do that. Come back to I mean, also stand up when you get a second. Come over here. I have on my wall all these post-its of things that I need to do. Like they're all – I'm behind on all of them. They're like part of them are – you know, it's – that's kind of like my pinned notes. You know what I mean? Like it's like – it's just – you a pinned note. Okay, great. That I will hang above all the pinned notes. <laughs> what is that? There's a book called The One Thing. Have yeah, you read it? I have. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> you I have. All enough said. The the idea. I need of to reread it, it clearly. <laughs> it's so good. There's an audiobook too. Mm -hmm. So good. The the idea that there's one thing, like what is the one thing that you can do right now that in doing so will make everything else easier. Yeah. Right. And so that's probably going to be my note for you. What's the one thing? No, you're right. And I'm and I'm trying. I'm trying to nurture the garden in front of me. I'm trying. Like like today, to your point, I was. I had so much I was doing and, and it's like how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I was just like, all right, today I'm going to record this podcast with Jezebel and it's going to be what it's going to be. And that's that's my one thing. Right. And yet everything else builds up. And I'm just it's like, I don't know. I OK, I guess we'll, this will be interesting. You just saw my notes. You just saw my other notes <laughs> on the on physical notes. I'll show you my my inbox. Even though I have an incredible system, there's still what what would you do if you were me? Like with this inbox, would you should I just delete it all and start fresh? Well, this is interesting. I was actually thinking about this on the way here. But when I met you, I wasn't as experienced, but also I wasn't as like hard-headed. Yeah. Yeah, as I am now. As whereas like now, if I get a client, I'm like, I won't be as shy to be like, whoa, your inbox looks overwhelming. How do you live? Like yeah. I'll be more like, okay, this is too much for a human to handle. Like with you, I was a little bit like, I didn't want to be like, you have too much. You need to get rid of more than what I'm telling you to get rid yeah. of. Like I, I was more smooth. I was more like, I didn't like, and also you are somebody who besides junk mail, which you did an amazing job with getting rid of, you have a lot of like human connections in there. Yeah. You know, it's hard to tell somebody like, what, what do you, what do you tell? Like, you can't do much about the human connections in there. Well, you can't do much about the personal human connections in there. You can't do anything at all and you shouldn't, right? Right. Unless if maybe somebody's emailing you saying, ah, let's, let's voice message instead on WhatsApp, you know, to kind of set the boundary of like, it's right. overwhelming me in my inbox. That's a stressful place for me. But about business communications, sometimes it really just comes down to like, are you taking on too many projects? Yeah. What are the projects that you want to focus on? What are the projects that you need to focus on? Right? What are the financial ones that you need to get done because you need to make a living? What are the ones that you really have in your heart? And what are the ones that you're holding on to because you worked so much on, but you're not willing to let go of, or you kind of feel a pressure from other people. Like I have so many ideas and I just haven't made, made progress. And I think when you're, when you're an on your own person, it's just like, you know, it's, it's on me to like, just do everything. And I'm, I think I'm just a little bit at capacity, but it's like, you know, you just gotta do it. Yeah. I, I just thought that was interesting to like, is it, is it worth just like, and I, I don't know, I, I close my eyes and I think about like, I'll just delete all my emails. But I don't actually want to do that because there's stuff in there. I just need, and I keep saying this, I think I just need one productive day. I need to like. I wouldn't even say day. You need a power hour. One thing you you say that I, I have no idea what this is, anxiety aware communication, how to communicate digitally without triggering anxiety in your recipients. Talk about that. That you actually really cool. taught me something about your communication preferences yesterday when you told me that, well, actually, you didn't tell me if you prefer to get voice messages, but you did tell me that you 
have a hard time like reading through text. So yeah. from then, if I can, because if I'm in the RV, like there's just so much yeah, noise. Yeah, yeah. But if I can, now I think, oh, I think she prefers voice. Can you confirm? Do you prefer them or? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, yeah, I love, I love a voice text. Okay. But also sometimes I'm like, I can't listen right now. You know, it's yeah, like, it's yeah. like. For example, when you're, when you're overwhelmed, everything kind of hurts. But in the in the in the normal life, it, like yes. a voice message is like an unread email because you don't know what it is until exactly. you literally go through exactly. It. And I have so many of those, and some of them are where. And I've again done it to myself because I've sent emails being like, "That's I'm at a weird moment." But <laughs> like for example, an example of anxiety where communication is like I have a thing with uh, one of my friends, Sadasa, and we tell each other. And I I have a, I have this with a lot of my friends too, but where we have this protocol like. I love hearing voice messages from her because I'm so used to being in Italy or Montreal or here and there. And so in order to continue our relationship, like our friendship, we need to voice message. Otherwise, texts are very blah. Mm -hmm. So but we have this thing like I might not answer. You're cool with that, right? Yeah, of course, I'm cool with that. OK, great. OK. But if there's something urgent, please write it because I'll always preview your text. Yeah. I'll preview it because if you tell me like, like, I don't know, something's urgent or like this is important or something like that, like we want each other to know. And if something happened where like I don't know about it like I don't know I didn't listen to your voice message for five days but you were telling me something so important and in my mind I'm like oh my god you should have warned me a little bit about that because I would have made time for you I wouldn't like you know like I yeah. might be overwhelmed so I might not have had time for just chit chat or hearing how your day went or hearing something funny that happened to you but I would have definitely made time for you if I knew that you needed something yeah that's anxiety where communication to know mm -hmm. that whatever that voice message is I know it's not time sensitive from this person who I've set these boundaries with, like set this communication standard with. And that's, that's an example of it. That's so interesting. I've been thinking about that a lot, actually, because I'm trying to communicate to people in the way that they want to be communicated to as much as I can. And I think about it in terms of texting like I don't have notifications turned on for text like I actually have to go into it like another inbox which it's like and I, I love that you can mark them as unread now that's really helpful and I do like I right now I have the I have the you can pin nine and I have nine mm -hmm. pinned because those are how many I need to get back to right and that's so helpful to do because then I would just lose them before and which maybe is better but <laughs> but basically I think about that first, like the last text. If someone sends you a slew of text, the last one is what I see since I don't yeah. get notifications. So I always think of that with other people. Whatever I say last, like, but no pressure. Like I want yeah. that to be like, because I know they're going to see that first. So I think about that a lot. I also, you know, I, I had an interesting experience with my friend Sophie where we have figured out our cadence of friendship, which is that we barely talk other than to – make a plan to see each other and then we see each other about once a week and we get all the updates then. Mm -hmm. And I don't really do that with that many other people. Most of my other close friends, I'm, you know, maybe not every day, but I, like I'm kind of texting a lot. We might not see each other for two weeks, but we're, you know, checking in, I'm sending voice texts or we're, you know, but that cadence really works with her. And I think before I would send updates or I would feel like I needed to like check in, like, are we friends? And I think there's a, a level of like, trust that can come with time yeah. because and we you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago which I wanted to to bring up anyway friendship is undefined like as a relationship yeah. it's really undefined and 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 all of my relationships are 
undefined, right? Like I don't have any, unless you have a business partner, a romantic partner, family, like those are all defined and contained. And I think without parameters, boundaries are good, right? Like boundaries create a buffer and they they prevent friction sometimes. Again, it's it's a lot to manage, but when we can learn each other's patterning, just like they say with love languages, like, what is it? Like give in the love in the way that the other person wants to be loved, yeah. right? Like not in the way you like to be loved. Like yeah. I like a lot of words of af, but my partner might be a gifts guy, you know? And it's like, all right, we'll start wrapping presents, you know? And, <laughs> and I think I'm trying to do that in communication where I think I, like this happened with another friend where I sent her, she had sent me a bunch of paragraphs of messages. And I did, I think what I did with you where I was like, cool, this is great. I'm going to read this later. I just sent a voice because I was driving or doing something. And then I was on a walk when I was responding to her and I just kind of, I did that, like what your friend did and I sent her a bunch of messages and then she didn't listen to them for like a week and she responded and she was like, I was so overwhelmed by all your messages, but she's like, I just went to the park and I listened to all of them. They were so fun and funny and great. And like, she really enjoyed them and like, it was, it was really good, but we don't, she didn't know what they were going to be. They were unread and, and there was like some time sensitive stuff in there that not that was not a big deal but it she was just but the, but i felt similarly when i got the paragraphs i was like oh god i can't like uh, to write that that would take me so much longer and that's my mm. brain you know so it's like we all have these different brains we're all trying our best and next and i learned that lesson i'm like i'm never sending that friend a voice text ever again like <laughs> i'm going to sit down and like put my thinking cap on and like start writing paragraphs back you know and i think all of this to say I am not the most important person in the world and the most busy person in the world. I may be the most overwhelmed, but that is all my own doing. But I will say we all have so much coming at us in terms of just like, you know, different sorts of inboxes. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yes, there's email. I've got two email inboxes. I've got text messages. I've got the inbox on Let It Out's Instagram, the inbox on my Instagram WhatsApp, Signal, like I have, and again, I've done this to myself and I, I know a lot of people, but it's so funny on the days I feel loneliest here, I have so many different people I need to communicate with, Mm -hmm. but I feel like dreadfully, you know, like sad and dark and lonely. Right. And so it's like, you can, you can know a lot of people, but friendship is again, undefined. And I think we have to create space and boundaries for ourselves and, and understand that it's okay to take a really long time to respond is really, I guess, yeah. what I'm going to – my only consensus with that because even, even like since we worked on organizing my inbox, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I haven't – I sometimes – I like triage my inbox a little bit like like this on my phone. And I'm like, anything I really have to do now. And the way I'm handling it now is I'm searching someone's name and I'm like doing that. Like that's all I'm able to do for for months actually and I'm every day I'm trying to get through texts, but a lot of my like work things happen through text or WhatsApp. Like we didn't email one time to, to book this, yeah. you know? So a lot of it is happening on text where I don't think pre-pandemic or maybe it's just my, I don't work a corporate job anymore, but I feel like I wasn't doing as much tech. Do you feel like it's like, it's diversified out of email more in the last few years or maybe that's just me? Hmm. I don't have Signal. I only have Italians in my WhatsApp besides you. Yeah. I direct everything towards just my inbox. 
it depends. It's it's like a it's hard because sometimes like for example, I was just talking to somebody on WhatsApp and we were both like I was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry that I haven't reached out in a while. I never use WhatsApp." Mm-hmm. And I got on it because you were writing to me. And so I was like, "Oh, shoot." And then she's like, "Well, do you want me to download Messenger?" I'm like, "I don't want you to download Messenger for me." What? And then we were like, "Oh, Instagram. We're both on Instagram." And then we we figured that out, but Yeah, it's hard because sometimes you have these things where somebody is like kind of imposing or maybe it's a job that's like we're only on Slack and it's like ugh gross, I don't want to be on Slack just for that, but that's how it is and you you have your tech stack gets like so big. Mm-hmm. So for that, it's really case by case because sometimes you can't do anything about it. Like if you're working with a company or yeah, you're, you're consulting for someone and that that's where their communication is. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a matter of like stepping back and just being if you're so overwhelmed that going in your inbox like literally triggers anxiety for you. Sometimes it's just about saying like I'm going to go in my inbox and answer three of the most pertinent messages. And if every day you do three, I guarantee you your stress levels will go down because at one point you'll notice that like you've done the three most important ones and the next day, then the next day, then the next day, and you'll notice that like the ones that remain were like less important and those ones but you're looking at your inbox the thing the thing that a lot of people have anxiety about their inbox is that they don't look at it and they're ignoring it. if you look at it in the face no matter how overwhelming it feels once you look at it it will never look as overwhelming as how it feels as how you've built it up in your mind yeah yeah people say that like about looking at your bank account you will build things up in your mind way worse than what they actually are no matter how bad it is mm-hmm. you face the reality of how bad it is but then you make it worse in your mind by ignoring it by a lot of things it's just built up yeah and same with like having that conversation that you've been putting off having or the tough conversation or going to the doctor for some people or whatever it is that you're putting off again you like lies you have to manage yeah. it's bigger than yeah going back to letting things go and just starting fresh or digitally creating space I wrote this down from our messages back and forth from a couple of weeks ago about the idea of distance and I was talking about how like when I do creative consulting with people, right? I'm very good at seeing patterns and seeing like in them, no no no, okay, it's this that you actually want to do, but when we did that journaling exercise, this came up and it really shows me this and remember back then when like I can do that really easily because I care and I'm present. And the biggest thing is I have distance and it's not me. Yeah. And I think similarly like you looking at my inbox is so helpful in so many ways because you have so many more skills than I do. And I and ideas hopefully. And same and similarly with helping someone start a podcast or helping someone creatively supporting them. I think I can do that well. Hopefully I have different skills than them and I'm also not a million steps ahead. I'm just one step ahead on the trail that I can just be like watch out for that rock cuz I just did it, right? Mm. And I think that sort of directive is is really useful and that's what I do in in process and I think just having distance and not being yours gives you a a clarity that can't come when it's yeah. right in front of your face. Have yeah. you found that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I was thinking while you were talking? You asked me earlier what would you do for an for someone who's so overwhelmed in their inbox. Mm-hmm. You know what would be interesting to try? Because like you said, physical and digital organization really they're super similar and there's a thousand ways that you can do the organization of a home, right? There's like Marie right. Kondo's way. There's the put everything in a box and just take out what you need way. And I was just thinking what would that look like? The put everything in a box and take out only what you need in a digital inbox. Cuz think about it. What if right now cuz you were saying like what if we just throw it all away? Haha, no. No, but what if you put it all 
in a box, right? Yeah. An imaginary box. Like basically, it would be like archiving everything, but we could just put everything, all of your unreads in one folder and we'll call it like the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we put it all in a box. We create an auto respond, right? That would be saying like, I don't know, some message like I'm, I'm taking a, some weeks to go through my inbox right now. It's quite overloaded. Please expect a delayed response of, mm. if it's important, respond to this message with important or time sensitive. And then if in that case, then it'll slip through the cracks and it'll show up in your inbox, but you'll have such a limited amount that while you're going through it, you'll have the, the space to go through it all. I think that would be super cool to try because you're detaching yourself from everything else. And then every once in a while, when you have more time, you could be like, oh yeah, this person. And then you'll go in and in the box and get their email and be like, okay, now, now I have space to respond. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that, that would be cool. I think one, one thing, you know, having distance from something is, is really good. And I was starting to say about how, yeah, that your, your help is so tremendous to people and myself included, because you're able to help clock things that I just can't, cause I'm too close to it. And same with your clients and same with me with creative advising. And I think with, with that, my, my friend told me that someone told him about something called friend assistant. I think I was telling you about oh, yeah, this, right? Yeah. Where you just have a friend do all the things you're putting off for you where like, and we were talking about this the other day at the coffee shop because he, he needed to get a new battery in one of his cars and he just needs to call and ask, make the appointment to get it towed and whatever. And I was like, and he doesn't like doing returns. And I was like, I would do those things for you in 10 seconds right now. Like, let's just do it. You know what I mean? Where it's like, and I have 40 things that like, aren't that hard that you would probably be like, yeah, let's just do that yeah, right now. Cause you see the battery issue for what it is. Right. But that person, your friend has built it up in their minds to something that it's not. It's totally. just so much smaller than that. Yeah. Yeah. And we're able to just do things for, and I, I don't know, maybe there is some sort of like being of service usefulness piece here too of like, I can do for you what I can't do for myself. Or I don't know. Mm. There's, there's like something there too, but I think it's really interesting. And it also makes me think about something that lately I've been really sitting with like, and this is, a, I'm saying this out loud for the first time, but like no one is coming to save you. Like no one is going to executive function for me. I have got to figure out how to do it myself. No one is, you know, I think I've, I've accidentally had people stand in for that for me by accident of, you know, picking up the slack of like someone I'm dating, like takes out the trash or like just little things like that. But I, but what's really sitting with me and is this, yeah, no one's going to, no one's checking. Like no one's going to check if you do the thing. No one cares. No one cares if you make your art. No one cares if you make money. No one cares if you have to get a job. No one's going to be like, wait, no, Katie, no. Like you can't, no. Like let's like fix that because you're, like no one's noticing because they all have their own shit and it's really hard. And we have to just, like you said, accept, and I'm literally saying this to myself, we have to accept I'm not going to be do able to do all of it but I can do some of it. And I think not being able to get to the end of the, the hit of the dopamine of completion, it's very anticlimactic, but I've just really been like three things a day. Like, what is it that I can mm -hmm. do? And I do those. And yesterday I did, I sent two really hard for me emails. I, I did what I could and I felt like I didn't disappoint myself at the end of the day. And I can't tell you how much I needed that. I had 700 things I didn't do. And today has not been as productive, but you got to have the, the light with the dark and the, you know, and we have to, there's gentleness, there's discipline, but also 
it's, I don't know, it, it's on us. And like, no one is coming to save me. No one is coming to save anybody. We have to just, yeah. have you felt that way before? I felt that way, but with the theme of the friend assistant, that's yeah. where I think we need to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about, right? Like if, like, if you're, if you haven't seen a friend in a while, like, okay, I'll, I'll say mm-hmm. the example. Like I have a friend who we've been doing that a lot lately before I, I left for LA. We were just both so overwhelmed, but we knew that we wouldn't see each other in a while. So like I just for quick context, just bought an RV and was renovating it before I left. And and that was my big project. That was my yeah. big thing of like, I barely have a second to give, but my friend was just coming over and we were like painting the RV and we were just together and talking while painting. And yeah. then the same thing, like I would go over to her place and we would just like redid her whole like kitchen pantry, like minimized it and all that. And those were our hangouts. And that's what it kind of has to be. Now, I think in general with people, like we're just so overwhelmed that if we can do like a friend assistant hangout, why not? Like it feels so good to help and it feels so good to be helped and to feel like, okay, like for me, it was like, oh, I, I did so many layers of paint in that RV, Katie, you have no idea. And for somebody <laughs> to add a layer, or for me, it was it was something that I had built up. You know what it was? It was, um, I don't know what you call it. Like when you have to paint around a light switch mm. uh, and my friend is so detail oriented and I was like can you please do that and she was like yeah of course and I'm like really that sucks though it's such a shitty thing to do and she's like no of course and I'm like oh thank you I really didn't want to do that like for me being caught for like 30 minutes doing like a little tiny like yeah. decoupage I was like no I don't want to do that I rather like I, I need for my brain to see the big roller you know to see that big difference yeah. and that's the importance of asking that of friend hangouts and to offer that as friend hangouts too. And I think that if you don't feel comfortable yet asking that of somebody to offer it first, super, right? Because then you're still having the friend hangout and you're showing them like, hey, let's do something productive. Mm-hmm. What can I do to help you along your day? Like what's what's one thing that like you've been like dreading? Ask, ask that to a friend, right? What, what have you been dreading? You go over and you help them with it. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, I think, cause it feels good to be useful. Like yeah. I would feel, I feel so good when I, take someone to the airport or I'm able to help anyone because not in a like, I hope they do this for me sort of way, truly not that at all. It's just like, and not even altruistically, It I think it's just how we're wired to help people. It feel it does feel good mm-hmm. and and to be useful. It, it really does. And I think you're robbing someone of the ability to do that by, by not asking for help. Although I, and I mean, you're from the Midwest too, like asking for help and being a burden and thinking someone's going to think I'm taking advantage of them or, you know, being a, when I was a kid, like people would always say like, oh, this person's a mooch. You know that Mm -hmm. phrase? Like, I don't even know what it means. I feel like I should Google it, but. Like a leech, like just sucking on you and just taking everything. Yes. And I, I, I've overcorrected for that where I'm like, I want to, that to the point where I feel like sometimes I'll, I said this to my therapist (laughs) recently where I was like, Every time I hang out with someone, I feel like I just like open up my artery and I just bleed and I'm like take everything energy wise. Mm. And then I leave and I'm like, okay, where was I? Where did I have to, you know, and mm. and that's not like sustainable, yeah. you know, like I can't keep doing, and not every time, sometimes I can get into a volley with someone and it, but I do, I have the ability to, to listen and be present and, and really like help people. And I love to be able to do that. But I'm very bad at asking people to do that for myself. But I guess I'm robbing other people of, of feeling useful. And yeah, yeah. And yeah, we get, yeah. And, and it's a level of comfort, like yeah. to be able to do that with, with people. It's not just robbing them of feeling like they can be helpful to you, it's also robbing them of connection. Mm-hmm. 
because two two things in that if you're gonna usually friend hangouts is what you go out for drinks you go out for food that's spending money and more and more lately i don't know about your entourage but my entourage has been more like i'm not gonna drink for a while or like i'm gonna you know like lay off a little bit or drink less or be more mindful about it and i think the go-to thing is like going for drinks or food spending money like mm -hmm. that's always the thing and it's it's not that like sometimes it's not that we can't afford it it's that we can't afford to spend on that we have goals right mm -hmm. and if we reorient our friendships to be goal oriented like how can i help you make your goal that's much nicer it's like uh, in business and in, in entrepreneurship we always say having an accountability friend mm -hmm. but why are our friends not our accountability friends mm -hmm. like that's the first thing and then the second thing is the closeness that you get from being vulnerable in front of somebody and being like this is my biggest thing right now like i am overwhelmed by xyz and asking for help that brings you into a connection within that friendship that you wouldn't get just by sharing news over drinks. Mm. Yeah, I I mean I love that. That is productive, you know, yeah. like at its best. You're doing you're doing friendship, you're doing connection, you're doing productivity, you are moving things forward. That is a good use of time. Yeah. I would go as far as to say it, I, it's interesting. I was listening to this other podcast the other day where they were talking about uh, the love languages mm -hmm. and how previously when I think his name is Gary Chapman created it, did the survey about what the main like what the preferred love language was. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but anyways, it changed over time. OK, mm -hmm. and I'm almost willing to bet that acts of service is the number one right now like in terms of like it's almost a necessity it's not because that's what i would prefer right if we were all living a chill semi-retired life mm -hmm. i don't think we would all be craving acts of service but now i think we just need acts of service by necessity like we can't not we can't afford to just be doing something chill we almost always need to be doing something productive little by little every day in every interaction that we have otherwise it just feels like we can't put the list down mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's really interesting that they that makes sense. God, well, this, I mean, you'll have to come back, but let's wrap with some, some rapid fire questions. Yeah, sure. Okay. So you seem like you really have your routines down and I know you just, you're traveling now, which is put a wrench in that a little bit, but what are some of your, you know, routines that you try to do? Like you said on the plane, you make it your own, but what are some of your morning and evening routines and how do you, how do they affect how you spend your day? Hmm. More recently, I just got an iPad, which I've been wanting for a really long time. Um, not because it's the new thing, but because I can write with it with the pencil. Uh -huh. So for me, it's like I'm always moving and traveling and living out of a suitcase of some sort. So paper doesn't do well for me. But I love the idea that it's like a paper type device. So right now it's been like jotting down everything that I have to do. And then I have like this sort of grid of like how I organize it. I'll show you later, but I have like this master list. And then I have like, what's the one thing I've been dreading? What are the things that take less than five minutes to do? And then what are the other stuff I want to get done? Because if I do, let's say probably the thing I've been dreading takes maybe five to 30 minutes. The five minute things take five minutes each. Maybe I have six of them, another hour, you know, an hour so far. And then the rest of the stuff, I've gotten like maybe six things done by the first hour of my work. Whereas if I just start with stuff random, that gets me off. Sorry, this wasn't like a, did I just say that gets me off? That's weird. <laughs> that gets me started off. <laughs> Maybe you can cut that out. <laughs> I liked it. That too. Yeah, get that. I mean, it gets going. Any other routines that you want? Like evening, morning? Uh, I think the thing, I, I'm not like 
I am organized. I'm more organized than the average person because of the work that I do, but I'm not hyper organized. I just am really good at minimizing what I have to do. So I would say that that's a... And I just recently did a huge also like decluttering of like the ideas that I had to move forward with. And that felt really good, which in turn made my actual like day to day tasks a lot less. My routines depend on staying somewhere for a while, which I never do. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of hard, but uh, I, I worked on that by minimizing. That's so cool. I actually love that. OK, greatest lesson on productivity. The one thing. There's nothing better. <laughs> greatest lesson on romantic relationships. Anything. Just find your best friend and nurture that relationship mm -hmm. and it's going to be hard work and keep working hard because if you feel like it's the right person it's definitely worth it even if you'll have a couple months or a couple years that are going to be like really just feeling like it's really hard like it will be fruitful what about social media how do you deal with boundaries with that do you ever get anxious about it or what what's your greatest lesson about social media it's the next thing that i'm going to be working on the next class at first I was like, oh, should I focus on like a different like space to organize? And then I understood, I think that social media is the next thing that I need to work on because it's not necessarily organizing. Social media is sort of a machine, right? It's an algorithm and it puts things in front of you that you didn't choose. Almost like the settings in Gmail, right? You yeah, didn't choose them, you're accepting them and then that's it, that's all. But with Instagram, it could be very toxic. Yeah. And... I'm worried for future generations. I'm worried for us, like our generation, because we're not taught how to train the algorithm. We're taught to just take in what the algorithm is showing us. And so social media anxiety is the next topic that I want to focus on. Mm -hmm. It's the next class that I want to do. I want to teach people how to really train so that whatever, again, whatever your goals are, are reflected on your Instagram, are reflected on your TikTok. So you're teaching the algorithm, you're muting, you're unsubscribing, you're unfollowing, yeah. you're... Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I've been thinking about social media in terms of contribution and consumption. Mm -hmm. And it's like when I have a bunch of things that I want to say or post or I want to share about the podcast because I do that, but I'm behind and I haven't posted the last four episodes and I, and then I have this silly thing that I want to post on my Instagram, but I haven't because I'm nervous and well, you know, whatever, whatever. When I see, when I'm consuming, when I'm just taking in other people posting about their podcast and about their thing, I'm like, God damn it. Like, I can't, you know, but on a day where I post my thing and I put it out and it is whatever like, the reaction is, then I see my friend doing it. I'm like, amazing. Good for you. I did mine too. We're all doing our thing. We're doing, getting, but it's like, it, I have to be contributing for my consumption to feel okay. And the consumption starts to feel bad if I'm just consuming mm -hmm. more than I'm creating or contributing. And I think it's like constipation. Like if I'm just eating and yep. eating and eating, but I'm not pooping, I'm not going to feel good. Yeah. And if I'm just eating other people's shit, but I'm not shitting myself, yeah. um, this has gotten crude, but <laughs> it's, it's the works. same, it's the same, same, same idea. I often refer to an inbox, like a digestive system mm -hmm. where you've got a lot coming in, but not a lot going out. Yeah. Has there been a piece of advice other than what we've talked about outside of, of these areas that has helped you or something that you've learned lately or recently or just something that you mm, could share? A quote that Oprah said, that it stuck with me and I don't, well, I, not that I don't know why, it's, uh, I love it. It's uh, success is when opportunity meets preparation. I'm saying that wrong. I'm saying in the wrong order, but. No, I think it's right. I like it. I love that because it's true. Success is like, sometimes you see people are like, how have you made it? Like, 
I mean, not to like discredit anyone's work or anything like that, but sometimes you see people are like, what? Like, how did you make it? And they were prepared. Yeah. They're prepared when an opportunity came about and that's it. Yeah. It's like how they say it was like a 10 year overnight success or, yeah, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, this is just a portion where you recommend things. So book other than the one thing. Yeah. I'll say it again. Um, the one thing. <laughs> movie, food place oh my gosh podcast so, any, anything but actually yeah. not unrelated it is yeah, so related have you seen ted lasso mm -mm. Mm. i need to watch it why his inbox is stressful too <laughs> no isn't what his inbox is stressful like mine no <laughs> oh my gosh it's just it's do you know anything about it vaguely i heard it's good but i'm, I'm okay. so bad at watching tv jason sudeikis uh -huh. and his uh if i'm saying this right i think it's his friend who he used to do improv with uh -huh. back when they first started. And they used to do a character called Ted Lasso, which was like a football coach, like very American. Like, yeah. Um, and they made a show on it on Apple TV. Oh, cool. And my friend recommended it. And oh, God, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that show. It is the most feel good show. Oh, good. So for anybody listening and for you, if you're thinking about starting a new show, honestly, like Ted Lasso, All it right. will make you feel good. It is full of it's it's very like unrelatable yeah. to a, any sort of stress in your own life probably so like watching it will just be oh, I just feel good okay. like it feels good yeah I'm in I need that I really need that anything else that you want to recommend I recommend LA to anybody who's in Canada right now. It's so <laughs> beautiful here oh I don't know I I by the way like I just got here like like I got here like right as I parked and then I came yeah. to you like like fresh uh, off we van <laughs> yeah like we parked in the grocery store parking lot near katie's and we just opened all the windows for the first time in the rv because we were traveling right from canada it was cold and everything we we're trying to like every time it was warm outside we're like keep the heat in we got to sleep in here tonight and like now we just open all the windows ah oh, just like wherever you are whatever you're doing look for sunshine like if it's like a little corner in your apartment just sit in the sunshine yeah yeah oh that's i mean it, it's not lost on me like just how it's I was going to say January, but it's February and it's mm -hmm. not, I mean, we grew up in a place where it was not like this, those months. So it, yeah, it's really wonderful. All right. Well, you're incredible. You're so special. I'm, I'm so grateful to know you and I'm so glad you did the podcast. Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you never get to talk about anything else that you want to share? No, this has been really great. Thank you. Good. All right. Well, let's end taking the let it out breath. <laughs> okay. So inhale. Let it out. <sighs> Thank you, Jezebel. Okay, that was my conversation with Jezebel. Like I said, and like we said in this, we're doing a workshop together. We're calling it the Life Audit Workshop. It's going to be a mix of journaling with me to find some self-awareness and some of the esoteric and creative and then the practical with somebody who actually knows how to do the practical because that is not me. And I think blending those two areas like you heard us talk about is is really cool. So we're we're doing it and we would love for you to take a peek. So the link to hear about what we're doing is in the show notes wherever you're listening to this, but it's for, you know, those of you who are feeling overwhelmed by the chaos of your life. Oh my god, I have an alarm going off. See, chaos of my life. I had accidentally set my alarm for 7.04 p.m. instead of a.m. That's the kind of chaos we're talking about here. But, you know, with this workshop, someone who actually knows about organizing Jezebel is going to be here to help people like me who are more creative and squiggly brained. And if you listened to last week's episode with Michelle and Wallace, you heard a bit more about that. And 
I'm really stoked that we're going to bring our dynamic together, Jezebel and I, to blend the emotional and practical aspects of overwhelm that I think so much of us are feeling. Just the sheer amount of communication coming at us, like we spoke about in this, will you know, really allow us to break down ways that we can feel supported and audit our entire life to make some meaningful and lasting changes. So it's going to be a really engaging, really interactive workshop. It's going to be fun and funny, I hope. It's going to be a deep dive into emotions with me. And I'm going to have some really brutal journaling prompts and open up some conversations that spark self-awareness and, dare I say, personal growth. And on the other hand, Jezebel is going to have some practical organization techniques from the Lifestyle Lab and provide some step-by-step tutorials that are incredibly valuable. She's done it for me and it's really useful as well as some valuable worksheets that will help you declutter your life digitally and beyond and create some really effective systems that that work for you. And it's going to be different for each of us. So that's going to be great. And, you know, from here we'll identify the root causes of where the overwhelm comes from and gain some clarity on what truly matters in life and how to prioritize that and then develop a personalized roadmap to navigate through all this chaos and achieve, you know, a more balanced, fulfilling life and, and create some boundaries and habits. And it's it's going to be great. I'd love to have you there. I love you so much. Next week, I have my friend Christy Harrison, who you've been hearing about her book, The Wellness Trap, which comes out so soon. So I can't believe she's going to be on the podcast. She's the host of food psych and the author of her first book anti-diet and if you haven't listened to the last couple episodes go back into the archive i loved the episode with kale and michelle and wallace and danielle laporte and then we have another musician another neighbor of mine sam burton coming up on the show and sasha jones is coming back to interview me for my birthday next week so i hope you or in two weeks i hope you stick around thank you so much for being here as always if you like this episode feel free to share it i write a newsletter called the let it out letter and that's where you can get all the show notes sent right to you as well as essays and lists and recommendations for me i really love doing this and i couldn't do it without you listening so i really appreciate it and you know what else i really appreciate the editor, my friend, Brianna Bain.